Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone, I'm Jess Mills and welcome to Human Podcast a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. Each week, I'm in conversation with a celebrated trailblazer or unsung hero whose awe-inspiring personal story demonstrates the breathtaking things that human beings are capable of overcoming and achieving. Human has been created to make these stories more seen, more heard, and more celebrated. In this first series, we're exploring extraordinary personal stories of resilience and trying to understand how it enables us to overcome the most impossible experiences. Every story of greatness holds the messiness and fragility of living too, and so often our pain is our greatest teacher. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be uplifted by the fire of the human spirit. Hello humans, and welcome to the first ever episode of the human podcast and my god what an extraordinarily important moment in time it is to be reminding us through this podcast of what we are capable of achieving and overcoming and today no one more perfect than this man I have sitting in front of me to ignite your hearts and your minds the BAFTA nominated award-winning writer international poet performer playwright artist and broadcaster the uniquely magical Lem Sisse. I have to say I'm in two minds whether to say this, but I think I have to call out the rather enormous elephant in the room, which is just that I am a fucking massive fan <laughs> of you and not just your work, Lem, but all that you embody. And most recently reading your book, your absolutely incredible memoir, My Name Is Why, um, really has been a decisive moment in me wanting to pull this podcast together and the dream very very early on was that at some point you could be a guest on it thank you (laughs) what an amazing introduction Jess Mills all true all true so so Lem your story is one which is now um celebrated and and honored as being one of the truly most powerful testaments to the courage and resilience of the human spirit and and also to the redemptive and transformational power of creativity. So at the age of 17, after a childhood spent being churned through the cruel and inhumane mechanics of the British care system, you were 
given your birth certificate and you discovered your name was not Norman Greenwood, as you've been told your whole life, it was Lem Sisse. You were British and Ethiopian and you learned that your mother had been pleading for your safe return to Ethiopia since your birth. Now, Lem, your childhood was largely framed by the, I think it's fair to say, truly unspeakable dysfunction of the individuals, institutions and systems entrusted with your care. Care clearly being a contradiction in in terms in that Mm. context. And during this time, as you've said, I've heard you say you lost everybody. Mm. But from the ashes of those experiences, you have risen like a glorious phoenix to become one of Britain's most treasured writers. And that's really where I would love to focus our conversation Mm -hmm. today and our time. Um, So not on on what happened to you, which I know you have spoken about so powerfully Mm. a lot. And I don't want to gratuitously ask you to repeat that. Um, What I would love to focus on is just the absolutely heart-bursting way in which you have lived your life beyond those experiences and what has enabled that and there's a quote of yours Lem which has almost become a seminal expression of resilience and it's one that has meant a huge amount to me in my life in the last couple of years which is I'm not defined by my scars but by the incredible ability to heal and I wonder if you could just talk to that a little bit more for us today um we are offered uh metaphors and images that might describe how we get out of something over it under it through it we uh climb the mountain you know we uh find ourselves lost in deserts we um and and uh and and that that line became very clear to me that I'm not defined by by the pain of what has hap- what's hap- what happened to me but but by the healing and I'd never heard that said before because if you're su- supposed to be scarred by by something then you're it's not a cap- about getting over it or under it or through it or or it's about it's about um accepting it for what it is it all in all of its darkness and then what mm. and then what you know and um and that's where i came to healing why don't we talk about healing as much as we talk about the pain that we're going through and i think sometimes that's because we're trying to find images that will tell us we've got over it or under it or around it like let's not talk about this you know we we you you've got over it now you know you've um you know and um i used to think that i had this um sort of boulder and that i that I was carrying the, of my story and and that it just grew moss and moss and just got bigger and bigger and the less I talk about it the bigger it gets in this quiet space inside me and the, the more I try to have to navigate round it 
I have to sort of compensate for it in every relationship, every friendship, every uh, every contact with another human being. There would become this moment where I would have to say, I've got to show you the boulder. <laughs> and it's very, very big. <laughs> and mossy. And I, yeah, and mossy, yeah. And I keep it in. I've not been able to invest in property because I had to buy a house for the boulder. <laughs> You know, we've got to go, you know, if this is going to go any further. We've got to go, you know, mm. to the boulder. And um, um, I just, I knew there was something more powerful than that. And um, it's that uh, every scar is immediately in the process of healing. Immediately. Red blood cells, whatever they are, you know, they're all like, right, guys, come on, let's go. Let's go, 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 you know. But our, our brains are looking at the scar and thinking, how can I hide this from somebody because it's bleeding right now? Mm. And um, and I'm very pleased, you know, that it's words that um, and images and uh, art which can um, find a, a metaphor which can be so um, helpful to so many people, most of all for me, myself, you mm. know. So I'm not defined by my scars, but by the incredible ability to heal has found itself in all kinds of places, um, written inside buildings, um, you know, used and written on paper and put on the fridge with a magnet from people who are suffering from illnesses, etc. You know, it's... Um, it means so much to people, that, yeah. them, because when you are going through as we do, as yeah. human beings go through life-altering pain at different times, you know, for whatever reasons mm. that may be, people don't often know that they're going to come out the other side, mm. you know. And so that, that, those words, I think, provide a torchlight, have provided a torchlight for a lot of people in the darkness of their own experience. Mm. And it did to me. So thank you for thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So Lem, you, you discovered um, writing poetry when you were just 12 mm -hmm. years old, and which is remarkable in and of itself, but is particularly significant here um, because this is also the age that you were separated on their request from the family you had been raised in mm -hmm. and put into a children's care home. Um, Again, the world word care here, obviously a contradiction in terms. And it seems that the discovery of this creativity enabled the development of a kind of quietly powerful and resolute sense of self. Um, and it's almost as if your poetry enabled you to draw a thick marker pen line around yourself that made you both visible to yourself and to the world around you in an in an institution um in in a world at that time designed to render you your needs and your humanity somehow invisible and it's as if not only did your poetry make you visible to yourself it's also made you visible hugely visible to the world wow I mean, I felt most um, safe when I was writing um, poetry 
as a kid. But I didn't feel that I was uh, a poet necessarily at the time, or I didn't know what a poet was. I just knew that when I wrote on on a, I wrote when I wrote it, it I had a very strong sense of place mm. that nothing else was giving me. In fact, the world around me seemed to be taking away my visibility. Exactly as you said, I I I started to become invisible, hidden in plain sight. And um, as a child, and um, I found I found that very difficult to understand because as a child you're you're becoming visible, you're growing, physically growing, you're emotionally and uh, intellectually growing, and and the more I grew, the less I was seen. And in fact, the act of growing seemed to be an affront to the people who were making me invisible. Who were yeah. the people around me? Who were the people who were supposed to care for me? Uh, and, 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 and worse of all, I was incredibly extrovert as a child. So I was very, I make people smile because that's just who I was, not because... Nothing's changed there then. No. <laughs> No, not but not because I feel like I'm purring like a fucking Cheshire cat. I, I mean, it. I really need to hold it. <laughs> but, 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 but it's true. Uh, and then they put me into the children's homes, and uh, and the the and the staff there didn't really care. They couldn't because there were so many kids and. It was like being in a, a blizzard, but it was worse than being in a blizzard. It was like being put in every time you, you every time you open the door to come into the house because it's the blizzards outside. You close the door, and as the door slams, the blizzards there again, and there's another door, and you run to that door thinking, "I, you know, this is all I can do is run to the door and get in." <laughs> and you open the door and you go in, and you close it again, and the blizzard happens again, and you see another door. You think. Well, I've got to go to that door, you know, and you, you, your brain is saying, you're doing the right thing, go for the door. Yeah, so that's what it was like. And just, just kind of taking on from there, there's something you said about safety and how your writing gave you somehow a sense of safety within the blizzard. Yeah, the blizzard was... Um, of other people's making and mm. the the people that 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 whether they did it deliberately or not tried to make me invisible tried to throw me into the storm the storm was at its most violent when i believed it was there mm. does that sound mad no it sounds you know that that's 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 1984. That's George Orwell. That's that's everything from George Orwell to what happens to the Muslims in Myanmar. You know that that's that's like if you can trap people's brains, if you can let them feel that they cannot find a way out, you've got them forever. Mm. And so the, this is my mindset as a child was like this is what they're trying to do to me. I must. I must, how, how can there not be a blizzard when I can feel so much 
cold and I can feel the snow on my face and the sound of wind in my ears, the violent sound of the wind plugging my ears. How can that not be? And when I wrote, when I got a piece of paper and a pen and I found a place, like I, 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 I created something that was not there before, I felt, I felt a sense of home and warmth and um, there was no blizzard. Um, and, and then, not better still, once I'd finished writing, I had a record that, that, I had a record that it wasn't all, it, the, it, I had a record that I had been somewhere that was not uh, making me invisible. And, 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 and I used my, the poems as like, flags or or markers you know that no 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 lem you you're not they 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 can't they're not right mm. they're not right what's happening to you is not right and nobody else is going to tell you that but here's the proof mm. can i tell you a story yes please i have my i got my apartment uh painted the other day and the guy who painted it, he uh, he used my Dyson to get rid of the dust. Mm. And he's ruined my brand new Dyson, <laughs> right? And he's gone. He's gone now, right? He's paid for it. It's gone. I, I didn't. He didn't tell me about it. He just left it. And I was like, wow. He, did, did he, I mean, we're talking about like paint in the Dyson that's absolutely. So he decorated it. your flat and he broke your. Hoover. He, he no. He used my Hoover right. to Hoover up his utter like all of the mess. Right. Like like that's not what's supposed to happen. No, it's not. Uh, but I didn't know, so I, I took a photograph and I put it on the Facebook. I said, "Is is it is a is this supposed to be? Is this right that this has happened to my Dyson?" And everybody's like, "It is not right that that's happened to your Dyson." The point is, is that. Um, nobody told me that what happened to me wasn't right. Mm. I had no idea as a child. I had no idea as, a, as an adult. I knew certain things were not right, but I had no idea. I had no idea. So my writing was like a way of going, is this right? That I've been locked away in this place? That I've That, that, that everything that I've ever known is now no longer with me, that I have no mother, father, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. Like, even kids in the home have got parents. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was slowly thinking that everything's broken. Is it right that it's broken, though? I mean, I'm surviving it. Like in the blizzard, you know, I'm going for the door. But should I be even going for the door? Is it right that I'm doing, is that this is happening? And there was nobody around me saying, yeah, it's wrong, Lem. So a way of writing is sometimes a way of going, of working something out very simply. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's not even complicated. It's like, is this hoover broken? Is this right that this happened? Uh, you know, ultimately that would lead to me taking the government to court in 40 years' time. So this is not light stuff. Mm. You know, ultimately, that act of creativity saying, is this right? Is this right that this happened? That then led to me taking to the government and winning, you know, and mm. they settled out of court. 
and receiving an apology for them for stealing my mother, you know, for t- in, for throwing me out of the care system with nothing, and stealing my my entire family and imprisoning me as a child. You know, there's something really powerful about creativity, which is which may it may seem like a throwaway act to write a poem, to sing a song, to draw a drawing, but it's not. It's never, you know, it's never nothing. This gift of creativity is something that you've spent much of your time wanting to share with other children mm-hmm. um, who have had the same experiences as you. Um, and this was documented so, so beautifully and so movingly in your BAFTA-nominated film, Super Kids. Um, and I'd just love for you to tell us a little bit more about the, the intention of, of, of that film. Of Super Kids. Super Kids, yeah. Which was up for an RTS award yesterday. Oh, oh yeah, congratulations. We didn't win. Amazing. Yeah, we, so it's nominated for an, a Grierson, a BAFTA and a Can I say RTS. something? Yeah. Amazing. And this this thing, it's a, it's a kind of, it, it's a double-edged sword thing, this being nominated because the nomination is a win in itself yes that's really kind do you know what i mean i do it's like hold on you've got to a point in your life where your work is being nominated by the most prestigious yes you know awards academies in the world and you don't really oh we didn't win it's like no 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 no. (laughs) it do you you know what i I do know exactly what you mean and it is a double it's such a strange thing isn't it yeah congratulations thank you thanks for saying beautiful film and um yeah and people can see it i think still on all four um, yeah, you can, you can. I just wanted to do a poetry workshop. This is going to sound the most unkind of hip thing, but I wanted to do a poetry workshop with Kids in Care uh, for the uh, the production company to film it. Yeah, and that's what we did. I've heard you say, Lem, that poetry is the voice at the back of the mind and mm-hmm. um, it enables a person particularly and even children particularly mm-hmm. children that have mm-hmm. gone through incredibly traumatic experiences mm-hmm. to articulate feelings that they otherwise couldn't grasp or name themselves and that this 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 kind of mechanism actually of this framework of writing poetry um, is a very very powerful way of being able to speak the unspeakable or to make visible the invisible experiences. Yeah. That's what happened in the workshop. Yeah. So the young people who were writing poetry said things about their lives that their own social workers had never heard them say before, about their losses and their their fighting spirit um, and their utter vulnerability. And, um, yeah... It was uh, beautiful, man. Oh, it was honestly. I I wept watching yeah. the film. Yeah. I just thought yeah. it was, you know, because what you were asking them to do, and you did it in this incredibly powerful exercise called "I Remember." Yes. And there's so much in that that I would love to unpack with you, and particularly on the power actually of how it gave children those children a a kind of confidence in their memories because yeah. I know you, you know you've spoken about this Sorry. a lot that when you're a child in care memory is something that you don't hold confidence in because mm-hmm. you don't have the 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 mirror of the family around you to confirm 
on a very basic existential mm. level that these things happen and mm. it's something you spoke so beautifully about in your book in terms of the experience you had with Lenny Henry and as a kid and having been invited to go up on stage with him when you've been taken out to Blackpool to see a show with the kids from the home that you were in and as an adult just not knowing confidently did did that happen and you had to look it up in Wikipedia when I was writing the book when you were working the book and it, and it did happen but you know this is this is why this exercise of I remember in the film is just so mm. it's it's heartbreaking and heart bursting simultaneously the the I remember workshop comes from a Wendy Cope poem that she was commissioned to write by the Guardian and she just wrote at the beginning of the line I remember and then she goes through her life and her childhood so the first thing I would do is go through that poem with the young people and say what is this poem you know what is it what is it about and I mean and she shares everything Wendy Cope in this thing you know uh, her first period um, her first uh, love of books I remember when I read books blah, 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 you know so she, she showed she showed herself as a young developing human being so we will have a discussion about this poem and then I will ask them to do the same thing, very simply. And I'll say, keep writing, don't stop, just keep going. And um, in having seen the example that Wendy Cope uh, did, they, they've got it in their mind. Well, I'm going to write about my childhood. But what's at the top of their mind and their childhood These are these things. So in other words, they, they walk with these memories every single day of their life. That's what their struggle is. Uh, and they find themselves punished for bad behaviour. All kids are good and bad all the time, etc. But it just compounds the punishments that they receive. Just compound their feeling of their own sense of worthlessness, worthlessness because of the story. So this poem allows them to tell the story in plain English. You know, it was Stacy that got to me the the oh, girl. God. She wrote about her childhood in the poem I Remember um, and both of her parents had passed away and I saw her feeling their loss mm. as she wrote the poem and as she spoke it as well and it's kind of important that that process is made available to the young people mm. and it's incredible and beautiful that uh, poetry can do that but it could have been painting it could have been singing do you think been, yeah yeah because I think it's the way that you teach I think that as a teacher you have to believe that everything that the person does is uh, that, that each person has the, the potential for magnificence and, and, and if you go in as an artist and a creative into a school telling yourself, well, they're not really good kids, so they're not, they're not going to go in the, in, in the direction of my workshop, then you're, you're damning them. Mm. You have to believe that they have the ability for magnificence. And your job is, I mean, it's basically how can you not, how can they not show it? You know, your job is to help them see it. And to be able to just open, that's all you are, I think, is a workshop facilitator. You're just opening doors. That's all. You're not the uh, fucking Pied Piper, you know what I mean? Mm. You're not, you know. You don't have that permission, you know. 
it's a really responsible job to teach as mm. a creative I mean mm. so you're just opening the doors opening the sluice gates and then you're like oh you're here look at you oh my god look at you you know and they're like yeah but I'm talking about I was like I don't care what you're talking about this is incredible do you mm. see what you just said mm. um that's all you're doing you're you're showing people their own uh, actual magnificence and you're I'm reflecting it back to them yes mm. yes and you're not patronizing them mm. do you know what I mean you're not you know you're genuine <laughs> it's in us all you know you're genuinely going well check that out that is incredible I don't have children but I do expect there's some of this that goes on between parents and their children where you're just you're like oh it is already there just look at that <laughs> you know what I mean you know you're, you're like you're like saying to your child yeah it's already there just look at that carry on mm. and then you see the criti critical mind of the young person wake up and they'll go yeah I said that and I should have said that you know I said tree, but I could have said what kind of tree was. It mm. could have been a weeping willow. It could have been a beech. It could have been an oak. And, you know, that that specificity gives it more strength, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And suddenly you're having a conversation with somebody on a higher level. And they are finding images which are describing how they feel by the detail they give to those images. And I just, I'm just back in, I'm back in wonder. Mm. It's a joy. Uh, to be around and the only thing that can get on the way of it is a lack of belief in them and that's what they get every day well I think belief belief is contagious <laughs> yes, lack of is, belief yeah. is is terminally contagious yes it is as yes, well yes you know and it's it's it feels kind of immediate the things that kind of almost like rise to the surface and I and I and I wonder if it's not too bashful, how you respond to that cue? Do I remember? Yeah. So what I would what would I do? I remember, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's great. I I remember um, playing Kirby on the house around the corner of the house against the walls. I remember the big park and running around the well. Firstly, running around the flower park, which was across the road from where we lived. On Osborne Road in Ashton in Makerfield and we, I remember the big trees that lined the flower park and how they were beech trees and how in winter they'd rattle because the, the little the beech mm. seeds would ra rattle and how they sounded like um, the skeletons in Jason of the Argonauts which was on around the time <laughs> when he fights the skeletons and it's the same rattling noise and I remember the junior school at the top of the hill and Mrs. Jolly's corner shop and uh, I remember I remember I remember my granddad Duncan Munro with his wobbly teeth and his um, this twinkle in his eye and how he liked me I remember Grandma Munro and I remember going to Scotland and I remember all of these memories I should carry on but all of these memories carry on okay I remember um, I remember my junior school and my head teachers and I remember the smell of um, the chips at lunchtime at junior school I remember milk we used to get milk in things in uh, the little bottle at school and have a milk break I remember how green it was and how hot the summers were and I remember having a, I remember having 
bike racing ride on my friend's housing estate and they closed off all the streets and we thought it was the most important thing on earth that all those kids were cycling around this estate in the middle of summer I never won but it didn't matter to it never mattered to me winning it only like the buzz was just people uh, places and things and um yeah I guess I remember going into the children's homes at 12 and then I, I, I remember being in being I remember I remember the smell of the children's home when I first went in it it was like bleach and downstairs it, it was a big old Victorian house I remember the kids who lived close by used to think that it was really cool because we had supper and we had hot chocolate for supper and um, yeah I mean I wrote about all of I mean I remember that it was not a good place that the staff felt unhappy and that we were thought of as a problem waiting to happen and that punishment was more available than a hug um, I remember realising that my foster parents were never going to call me again fuck, crazy I remember yeah, and then I remember birthdays and being terrible and Christmases and just feeling incredibly alone and I remember thinking I would never live past 30 as well and I remember yeah also I mean I remember yeah I, yeah I remember getting my first flat um and then I remember thinking, is this it for the rest of my life? Like, no re relativity towards my childhood. But I remember my first job. I remember I remember cleaning gutters. I set up a business as a gutter cleaner. I've had a long life, man. It's, but um, what I like now is that I can access memories that I couldn't access before mm. since getting my files. I can, I, and since forgiving, I mean, I can now look back at my childhood and remember good things, and I, I could never access it before in my head. So mm. it's quite, it's quite, uh, quite a change for me that. And we can do that with our stories. We, we, we can, they can change. When I forgave my foster mother for a, for what she did and all of the family but using my foster mother as a symbol which was a few years ago the moment I forgave her I could empathise with her and I couldn't do that before because I hadn't forgiven her I was so angry uh, that she was that she was the subject of my blame so why would I empathise with the subject of my blame with the person who'd hurt me most of all with the cruelty of it all but when I forgave her um, my life changed and I, I, a window opened in my head to the memory of my childhood which I had not accessed or had before at all I would always say to people I can't remember my, my childhood I, I know what happened but I can't remember it properly 
I can't, you know, I can't go, oh, I, I played in that park and I, I, I walked up that street and I had, I mean, I still can't remember any, the names of any friends from the age of 12 down to when I was with my foster family. Stephen Bartlett, but he wasn't a friend. I'm just, I'm just trying to remember now. But since I forgave my mum, I got a window to my past and I could remember things without feeling like, you know, I was torched and on fire at the time. And I could empathise with my mother and understand my foster mother and my whole foster family and I, in forgiving them, I did not want them to say sorry to me. And I did not want them, I didn't need them to, to admit to anything. Mm. So in other words, if you, if I forgive my foster mum, I don't, I'm not forgiving her so that she can then go, I'm sorry for what I did. I did this, 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 because that's not forgiveness. That's then like a contract. I'm going to give you this as long as you satisfy me that you're sorry for what you did. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It kind of goes back to something you said earlier around its acceptance and yeah. I think yeah. there's how are we going to heal man mm. I mean like if if I'm not talking about anybody else now but how am I going to heal if I'm always like sticking my fingers into the scar pulling it open saying look at that I've got to show you this because it's really hurting me that that is I I've got to take responsibility for how I carry my story I've got to take responsibility. That was the big trick. When somebody hurts you so fundamentally and so many people over so much time so that you're running through a blizzard, seeing a door, thinking it's home, going in, finding a blizzard on the other side, doing it again, you know. When somebody has put you in that state of mind as a child and as an adult, 
there has to be a point where you take responsibility for the metaphor. There has to be a point where you search for how can I make this okay because because this is somebody else's image. Does that make does this make sense? It's like it's such a it's such a strange thing. And I'm again I am not talking about anybody else, but I am saying that the person who, you know, you know, did the worst thing to me that I thought was the worst thing that was insurmountable in terms of being in terms of forgiveness or in terms of coming to terms with it. Um that's the person who I had to look in the eye and forgive fully. Because I had to take responsibility for myself. And in not forgiving them, I was giving them so much power mm. that I was not giving myself. Mm. And the thing I didn't realise is that when you forgive somebody, you can then empathise with them. Mm. Nothing is unforgivable. I, I, by the way, you know, I didn't realise this for most of my life. But I'm really glad I got to. I got to this place. But that's the that's the beauty of not having a family in many ways because I won't see her again, you know, really. I mean she said she said she said, I can breathe now when I said I forgive her, which was suitably dramatic. She she, she said that. Yeah, yeah. She said I can breathe now. Wow. And we wow. can unpack that in a bit if you want. But she said, I can breathe now. And she, she, then she said, oh, you were a naughty boy. Wow. Which, you know, both of those things can get that same wow reaction. Yeah. Um, was this quite recently, this? This happened? was uh, about seven years ago, something like that, maybe a bit more. Um, it feels recent. So, you know, they, at any time they could have called me and they didn't for, <laughs> so, and then when I got my files, when I was in 2015 and it showed how, how horrible they were to me behind my back, the fact that my foster mother would tell the social worker that, what did she say, that, I am amoral. That's just, and that, that was a very, a very cruel thing to say to a child. I think now, you know, there is no point in my adult life that I would, oh, I would have called a child amoral from the age of 18 onwards. Like, and being a Baptist, she understood what the word amoral means. You know, amoral mm. is Damien out of the omen, you know. Um, but I could just see that she must have been in so much pain and so were the whole family. They were utterly confused. They were out of their depth. They shouldn't have taken me. They shouldn't have done what they did. Um, they shouldn't have tried to make the secrets, these big secrets, and, you know. And they certainly shouldn't have just treated me like an, an experiment. It's just, yeah, and it's all got to do with religion and community and class and race and gender and sexuality it's all in there it's all in there man it's all in there like like uh, 
in Britain in the 19... Into the 1970s 60s and 60s, 60s and 70s, you know, and every every part of me was was pulled to pieces over a sustained period of time, like an entire childhood, and nobody would admit that they were doing it while doing it. And if I reacted against it, I would be punished more. It's just, it was kind of full on. I mean, it's, but then it was a, it was an, un, it was an, inhuman, Look, it, it, but it was an inhumanely dysfunctional thing to have happened. And what I wanted to say to you is that, <laughs> did you see the finger go up? <laughs> is that the people around you were fucking dysfunctional fuck ups, the systems, the individuals, the fact that your your foster mother could have given that reflection on you offering up this absolutely unbelievable offer of forgiveness. It was never about you. It was about them. They were the fuck-ups. You never were. Mm. You know, mm. and I know it's... Little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what is so evident when you witness and the way we experience ourselves is often very different to the way the world outside experiences yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yes, yes. And some of yes. the most treasured, loved people in my world, other people, some of them have just, you know, have fundamental, kind of quite tortured internal Mm. lives and um i try to remind those kind of people in my life as often as i can just how fucking glorious they are because often we don't hear it yeah know? we don't yeah and right. i know there can be a disconnect between a fundamental disconnect between our internal worlds our internal lives yeah. and of course there is but sometimes from the outside it seems black and white and to me it was almost kind of sociopathic pathological oh. deep fucking dysfunction of the the, the people the family yeah. the institutions the systems the fucking government you know who were entrusted with the absolutely sacred preciousness of yeah. nurturing your childhood yeah yeah but it wasn't your fucking fault yeah yeah, you know. Yeah, it's isn't it funny? And, it, and there's nothing you could have done to yeah. make it any different. And what you've gone on to do in your life is it's pretty good, isn't it? Like it, now, it's pretty now good. It, it's kind of, now I hear it. It's pretty I, um, fucking good. It's it's sensational. It's pretty good, right? It's, it's like sensational. Chancellor of the University of Manchester. I'm an honorary doctorate five times. I travel the world as a writer. I. I've worked in bits of TV and bits of uh, records and bits of performance and books and stuff. I'm good with this, okay? What I'm going to tell you now, I'm really good with it, okay? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm uh, good with it. But I have, I really want to say it because I want, I want you to know why I just listed those things just then because it's, it's almost like a mental tick to go, not to, like, at no point 
did any one individual apologize for what happened to me until four years ago? Okay, not one point, not one person, not one family member, okay? Okay, that's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is that on none of those doctorates that I got, or the MBE, actually the MBE is slightly different, there was no family member, there was nobody who knew me as a child. Mm. Nobody called me up who was had some relativity to me from my childhood ever and that's that's happened since i was 18 years of age so i'm not the the guy who's done good in a family i'm not the one who did well who unfortunately overshadows his sister who he loves just as much but who people don't talk to as much. Mm. So he form. I have no relationship in that area. There is no, absolutely no relativity to yeah. anything under the age of 18, and in fact, under the age of 25. And then you can keep going further and further and further. So that, and I do believe that is quite unique. And I do believe it's quite a difficult thing to share with people so that they can understand the gravity of that. That's mm. every single birthday, every single Christmas, every single blah, blah, blah. Subsequently, I'm not very good at celebrating what it is that I do or seeing it. So mm. so then you'll get the clumsiness of me sort of saying, oh, and I did this and I did that. <laughs> Would you're like, yes, Lem, I know. You know, dare I say it, you are a national treasure, mm-hmm. you know, because of the work that you have created because of who you are because of your achievements because of what you stand for because of what you've contributed to you know culturally to to Mm. this country and around the world and I suppose I I'm just struck by what I now completely understand is the need to reiterate that and it's I guess it's 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 weird isn't it well it's but it's not weird, it's completely understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, yeah. it goes back to my point about sometimes just a reminder of how, mm. you know, mm. everyone else experiences you mm. too. Mm. We should do that know. in life more. I should wake up in the morning and go, look in the mirror and go, hey. <laughs> 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 Poet, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, now, Lem, finally, if there was one person living or past who you'd want to be proud of you, who would that be? Probably my birth mother. Birth mother sounds weird. There's only one mum I had, so... Mm. No, but it's exactly the right... It's weird, it's exactly because if I right call term. her mum, it kind of alienates her because mm. she's not used to being called that by me. Mm. So I guess in... When she's not here, she'd be a birth mother. I guess, because I guess that would mean something. Yeah. I think it means something. <laughs> so now, if to play us out, um, if it was possible to dig- to dedicate your 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 story um, to a song, what would that be? And tell us a little bit why. It's got to be um, Nature Boy, by sung by Nat King Cole, but written by a homeless guy 
who used to live under the Hollywood sign. And, yeah, and once, I think when Nat King Cole was going to a a premiere, this homeless guy pushed out through the crowd and gave him this poem and said, this is a song, Nature Boy. It's going to be, you know. And, um, yeah, and that's the story behind Nature Boy. You can Google it and you'll you'll find the story. It's a beautiful story. But just the lyrics are... Yeah, it's, it's, that's me. Well, let me just say, with all my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. So here we have it, Nature Boy by Nat King Cole. Thanks, Jess Mills. Thank you, let me just say. <laughs> There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. A little shy and sad of But very wise was he And then one day A magic day Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score. Five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tyvon and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.